Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He shall not make for himself un, make himself unclean, even for his brother or his or for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because the separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. And we're going to see Samson going into a vineyard, and we're going to see him soon at a wedding, his own wedding, where certainly he was drinking wine. Today on Truth in Christ, Scripture says he came to the vineyards of Timnah. Welcome to our Bible study with Pastor Rob Kellogg. Samson was dedicated to God with a lifelong vow of the Nazarite. Nazarites were to have nothing to do with great products in any form. Samson was dangerously close to significant compromise. Though Samson flirted with compromise, he still had miraculous strength because the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. In some instances, God uses us in spite of our disobedience for his good pleasure. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. I probably wouldn't be hanging out with you. <laughs> and if you knew that about me, you'd probably be like, I can't believe he's going to think that tomorrow. I'm leaving this service, Right? But God knows, and yet his love is so wonderful and perfect. So this, you know, by his father and mother going down there, they did not know that God was going to have his way in Samson's life regardless of Samson's choice. He was making bad decisions, but God was going to use that bad decision. He knew Samson. He intervened in Samson's life. And Samson had the ability to cut off that flow of God's grace just like we do. That's a scary thing. To cut it off, to hold it, to put a tourniquet around the blessings of God and say, God, I'm on my own and I'm fine. I can handle this. And all the while, he's got life he wants to pour into you and you've got a death strangle on that tube that's coming down from God. I believe Samson had his hand around that spout where the blessings come out. For he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Why? Is it because God is just mean? Is it because God is a bigot against the Philistines? Even with Samson's problems and issues that he had, God gave him every opportunity. God was continuing to give him opportunity. We're going to see that later when he brings a lion out in front of him. I believe that was God's way of getting his attention. Samson, what are you doing? What are you doing in this vineyard? Why are you drinking this wine, Samson? What are you doing? Hello, Samson. Anybody home? The lights are on, but nobody's home. Right? 
and the Philistines, they would be a thorn in the side of Israel. So verse 5, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. You know, it's that his, his father and his mother should have never consented to do this. They knew what God had spoken to them before his birth, and yet they went along with it. You know what? Folks, if you have children, the best thing you can do for them is to be a parent, not to be a friend. You can be a friend after they move out of the house. When they get married and have kids, you can be their friend then. But you're really never, you'll never cease to be, you'll always be their parent is what I'm saying. Be a parent. And so many parents today are just caving in to their sons and their daughters' whims and desires. There's no governor in the life. Just whatever feels good, you know. Oh, you honey, you want that? Okay. Do you want that iPhone when it's wide open and you can access anything you want, even though you're only five years old? It's okay. It's okay, honey. Yeah, any YouTube video is open to you. In fact, we're not going to put any restrictions on it at all. I know you're only three years old. It's okay. I know you're still nursing a bottle, but it's okay. You can have that iPhone, honey. You can look at whatever you want. I'm being facetious, but you get the point. We've got to be a parent. And they were not being a parent to him. Instead of being a parent, okay, Samson, whatever you want. Maybe he was one of these kids as he was growing up just throwing a tantrum in Wegmans, you know, wanting the, wanting the Butterfinger there in the, uh, in the checkout line, and you're saying, no, you can't have it. What do you mean I can't have it? Put it back. Put it back, Rob. Put the can't. What do you mean? I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And then you start, and then the volume goes up, and you can hear everyone around you is going, oh, no, not this. I've seen it happen. I've done it myself. I can hear it. I'm pushing my little cart in Wegmans, and I can hear a, a mother saying, put that down. No. Put that down. No. And then you can hear the mother wrestling it out of her head. I can hear it in the other aisle, right? I can hear this happening. You can hear the bag of chips, and they're pulling on the bag of chips. And then the kid starts to squeal. Then they've got to call on the SWAT team. Put it down, put it down. It's horrible. But Samson's parents, they didn't do this. They should have. And notice here that it says that, that there's, there, there's things in this verse that we don't always get. Because if you read it the way it is, it sounds like you know his, his mother and father were right there with him, physically right next to him, all the way down to Timnah. And then it says, and came to the vineyards of Timnah. And so we believe that he kind of made a little sojourn off into the, into, the, into the vineyards, where he shouldn't have been anyway, because guess what? As a, as a man who had a Nazarite vow, being in a vineyard was not a good place. It's like an alcoholic walking into a liquor store. Not a good idea. It's like a drug addict walking into a pharmacy where they got all the oxycodone and the hydrocodone, all there are labeled in just plentiful amounts, copious amounts of it, and there's nobody around. And that's what it's like. It's like a drug addict walking in, and there's nobody there, and he's looking around, and there's even no cameras. Right? He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been there. So he leaves the path. He goes into the vineyard where he shouldn't have, begin, shouldn't have been to begin with, and then he, he sees this lion and we know in Numbers chapter 6 that this is one of the things, that there's so many things wrong about this. He shouldn't have been there. Let me just read to you quickly Numbers chapter 6, just the first eight verses, because this is the vow that Samson took. This is the vow that was placed upon him from his mother's womb. 
In Numbers chapter 6, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, a Nazarite is really just somebody who is separate. That's what it means. It means holy and separate. To separate himself to the Lord. He shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither wine, uh, drink neither vinegar made from wine, nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, from seed to skin, and all the days of the vow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head. So here's the second thing. Until the days are fulfilled, are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord he shall be holy, and then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make for himself un, make himself unclean, even for his brother or his or for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because the separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. And we're going to see Samson going into a vineyard, and we're going to see him soon at a wedding, his own wedding, where certainly he was drinking wine, and now he's going to wrestle with an unclean animal. In Leviticus, um, it tells us that. Um, that a, an animal, uh, a, a lion specifically, is an unclean animal. And then he kills this unclean animal. And we're going to see what happens later. But notice, could this be the Lord, this lion coming out after him? I think it was. I think it was the Lord knew what he was going to do in this man's life in spite of him. But doesn't the Lord make him accountable at the same time? Does it remind you of Balaam? If you read Numbers chapter 22 through 24, those three chapters, it talks about Balaam, this prophet who the king of Balaam or the king of Balak, who was the, the king of Moab, hired him to come and curse the children of Israel. And Balaam was a man who really liked money. And God says, don't go with the men. Don't go with this, uh, this embassage from Moab. Don't go with them, Balaam. And Balaam starts to deal with them. And God, you know, gets, uh, is very frustrated with Balaam because God told him what not to do, and he does the exact opposite. Finally, God has to open the eyes uh, of, the, of the donkey. Only the donkey can see the angel of the Lord standing in front of them, kind of winnowing their path so that they couldn't go certain places. And finally, Balaam, remember, just slaps the donkey and then the Lord appears to him. The angel of the Lord reveals himself to him. And then he's ashamed. Could it be that God was using this lion as a way to wake up Samson and say, Samson, what are you doing? What are you doing? You knew what you were supposed to do. And the Lord always seems to make us accountable even when we go against his revealed will, even though he knew the end of it all. And he often works things according to his own will in spite of us. So Samson was not doing the right thing. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, before the flood, the Lord said this. He said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he indeed is flesh. And you know, there's a danger when we continue to resist the Lord. The Lord will ultimately sometimes we resist him long enough he'll let us have what it is that we're striving against him and to me that's the scariest thing that a human being can go through is 
getting what they want. Getting what they want. Resisting so much that God says, you really want it that bad. And I've done this myself, and perhaps you have too. There's been something in your life where you've wanted something so bad, and you're going to do anything to get it. And finally you do get it. And the Lord all along is just trying to get your attention, and finally you get it. And does it ever really satisfy? It never really does. Whatever that thing is, in about a year, it gets old. Something new and shiny comes out. It's better than that. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't really like that anymore. Oh, but look at that one. Hey, look at that. It's shiny and new. It even looks better. It sounds better. feels better. The steering wheel on that thing feels so good in my hands. You know? But God's Spirit will not strive with the man forever. Verse 6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and notice what he did. He tore the young lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. You know, throughout the Scripture, we see this interesting thing where the Spirit of God will come upon somebody. We know that before Jesus came on the scene, we know that he always existed even before he was born into you know Virgin Mary, right? He always existed for eternity and past. But before he came on into the earth and during his ministry, prior to that, when the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God didn't indwell a human being. Did you know that? He came upon them at different times, but didn't indwell them. That, that's something unique to the church in the New Testament. When Jesus breathed upon his disciples and, and they received the Spirit of God, and on the day of Pentecost, you know, they were born again, and then the Spirit of God came upon them. This is the kind of relationship that Sol- or Samson had at times with the Lord. The Spirit of God would come upon him to do some task. He came upon him in power, just as he did in the days of Pentecost when he came upon the church in that upper room, and those 120 people were filled with the Spirit of God. Similar thing. Then he went down and he talked with the woman. And she pleased Samson well. Again, there's our phrase again. She was right in his eyes. We saw that in verse 3. So verse 3 and verse 7, you should make a footnote for each other because they both mean the same thing. And after some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. So here he is, knowing that what he did, he shouldn't have been in the vineyard anyway. Now he kills a beast. Now he's unclean. And now he's going back and revisiting it at another time. And the thing has had some time to decay. Perhaps the animals have already taken pieces of it. And now there's a, 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 a hive of bees growing inside the carcass of this thing. And so what does he do? Behold, a swarm of bees and honey was in the carcass of the lion. And perhaps Samson was enjoying the fact that he killed this lion with his bare hands. And God even allowed it probably just to spare his life. Because God still had a plan for him, even though he was not walking the way he should walk. I love that verse where it says, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That's a mystery to me that I, I don't quite understand, but I, I know that God gifts some individuals, and he, he doesn't take back that gift. He gives a gift to someone, and then it's their opportunity, it's their great privilege to honor him in that gift. And we know that sometimes those gifts are prostituted. We even see God giving great gifts. I mean, it's not a spiritual gift per se, but uh, you'll see the Lord giving somebody a, the gift of music, somebody who's very gifted musically. And we know there's a big difference between some of the superstars today 
and some of the gospel singers in churches that no one will ever know. Big difference. Notice he took some of it in his hands and he went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them as well, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So now what is Samson doing? He, he not only defiled his Nazarite vow by eating the honey from the unclean animal who was now dead, another infraction against the vow that he was under. We're going to see that he's going to drink wine. He's going to touch the dead. He's touched unclean animals. He's getting romantically and physically involved with those whom God has told him to, told him to stay away from. And later on, he's going to cut his hair. And notice not only that, not only did he defile himself, but he also defiled his parents, unbeknownst to them, especially his mother, who, remember when she was even pregnant with Samson, that she had the vow of a Nazarite upon her for a season. And now he's defiling her too. You know, sin is like that, isn't it? It's never, uh, it, it, it not only affects us when we sin, but everyone around our sphere of influence is affected. It's like leaven. It's like cancer. It's like leprosy. Lying right underneath the surface, nobody can see it manifesting itself. Sin is never content with being solo. It wants as many companions as possible. And the thing that is difficult is that sin is pleasurable for a season. The Bible does say that. You remember in Hebrews, and we'll end here for tonight, we'll pick up in verse 10 next week. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, what does it say in, in that hall of faith chapter? What does it say concerning Moses? It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And that's what it is. That's what makes sin so enticing is because it is pleasurable for a season. But then the bill comes due. And is anyone really able to pay the bill? The wages of sin is death. I don't want to pay that debt. And aren't you glad that one did come to take that punishment for you and I? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I couldn't pay that bill. It was too great of a bill. And I'm so glad that even if I could, God would not accept it. But Jesus came, as you know, and this is one of the wonderful things about Christ, is that He came to take that punishment for you and I. He took that sin upon Himself. As He hung on the cross, it says in Isaiah that His soul his soul became an atonement for us. He became sin for us on that cross. Every sin, every foul thought, every foul deed that has ever happened or ever will occur was placed upon Him. And this is something that Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, does not portray, neither could it. How can you portray that act, that single act, when God the Father forsook His own Son on the cross? The Bible says that God cannot look upon sin. And as He placed the sin of mankind on His Son for the first time in all of His existence, is it any wonder that Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew very well what he was doing, but he had never experienced this ever. Do you understand that? God the Father just basically turned around and said, I'll see you, son, and left him, forsook him for a season. 
Now, for you and I, that may not seem like a big deal. But we're talking about God in the flesh. He has never experienced that ever. And even now in glory, the Bible tells us in Revelation, as we're going through the book of Revelation, that even in heaven, Jesus bears those scars. And when we see him, we're going to see the scars in his head from where they took the crown of thorns and they, 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 they smashed him on the head with a reed. And those thorns are just going deeper into his skin. We're going to see the wound in his side. We're going to see the wounds in his hands and in his feet. And perhaps if he turned around, we would see the lashings. We would see the scars on his back. And I don't think those scars are going to go away. I think we're going to see them for eternity. And it won't be something that we'll, we'll have to cry about because it's going to be a joyful time, but we'll never forget what our Savior did for us. And what this, Jesus wanted to do for Samson. He gave him so many opportunities, just like this lion popping out. I believe that was God's way of putting a roadblock in front of this man. See, there's always accountability. Whenever we go forward in something, there's always accountability. God is going he's gonna, to he's gonna interrupt your plan if you're bent on it, and he's got a better plan. He's done that for me. Has he done that for you? Have you had times in your life where you've wanted to do your own thing? You started down that course and something happened. Something didn't work out, a roadblock of some kind. But instead of stopping and saying, Lord, forgive me. Help me get my heart right. I'm not even sure what I'm doing is right. It feels good. I want to do it really bad, but it's probably not the best thing. How many of us humble ourselves and get on our knees and say, Lord, I cannot have what I want. If it's not your will for me, I don't want it. Right? So think about that this week and, and read ahead, read this chapter and, and see the, the times where he just really blew it. But to know that God wasn't finished with him. God was still going to use him. Just like he's going to use you and I. He's not going to give up on you. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you, even to the end of the age. So be encouraged by that, saints. And and uh, looking forward to um, getting uh, together Sunday. And I'm looking forward to next week going through the rest of this chapter and getting into chapter 15. Why don't we stand and let's pray and give thanks. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, this evening. Actually, it's morning somewhere in the world. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for tonight. And Lord, as we, as we look at Samson's life, God, um, we recognize that there are so many lessons for us to learn, male and female, every one of us. Lord, help us to not candy coat anything in our life, Lord. Help us not to, to take it easy on sin in our own life. Lord, we're so prone to point a finger at someone else and coddle our own sin. Lord, help us to not be like that. Lord, help us to to watch our eyes, Father, men and women, Lord. Help us to make a covenant with our eyes, just like Job made with him himself, with you. And Lord, encourage us, Lord, in this world that we live in, God. More than anything, Lord, we desire to be faithful to you in a godless environment. Help us to be faithful to you, Lord, and to be encouraging to others. Lord, to point others, not to the church, not to Calvary Chapel per se, but help us point them to you. Lord, you are the reason. This is, all, this is what it's all about. It's all about you, Lord. And so, Father, we give you our hearts tonight. Get us home safely tonight. And again, just continue to protect our health, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name.
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.